0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All right, you you've got your candy cane? Yeah? Cool. Cheers. Well, legend has it, That in the 18th century, somewhere in Europe, there was no public display of Christianity allowed. There were no crosses, no Bibles, none of these things were allowed. At Christmas time, there were no nativity scenes on display because they were not allowed. Christians at that time were greatly oppressed. And there was one old man in particular that this did not sit right with. He was a candy cane maker. He was a devoted Christian and his heart went out to the children, particularly at Christmas time. And so this European man, devoted Christian, that was a candy maker, prayed to God for an opportunity to bless the children and give them gifts at Christmas that would teach them the Christmas story. And the answer that he felt God laid upon his heart was indeed the candy cane. See, the candy cane holds a lot more meaning than we probably realise. And this morning, very quickly, I want to share with you what this candy cane maker was thinking and the point that he was trying to get across when he made the candy cane. See, this old candy maker had one message in mind. And that was the message of Jesus Christ. He wanted to get out to not just the children, but also to adults, the message of Christ. And His message is seen in the shape, the colour, the ingredients and the taste of the candy cane. Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, encouraged a young man by the name of Timothy to preach the Word in season and out of season. And this particular time of, uh, in Europe in the 18th century was a very much out of season time. And yet it was an opportunity nonetheless, not to back off, but to come up with creative ways of presenting the Gospel. And so I take my hat off to this man And so He used what was in His hand. He used His skill. He used what He was good at to create an opportunity to share the message. And I want to say for you who are listening on today, as you go to your family and friends, particularly those that are far from God, can you not please think about what is in your hand this Christmas Day? What is it that you have been gifted with in order to present a simple truth of who Christ is and what Christmas is all about? Because when I finish with this message, you're gonna think it's so simple. And that's exactly what I want you to leave with, just how simple it is to communicate the message of Christ when you're operating out of the goodness and the kindness of God and His gift to you. What complicates life is when we try to be something that we're not. But if we would just stay within the sphere of influence and stay within the gifting that God has placed upon our lives, we can have a massive difference just as this candy maker did. And so who wants to learn some things about the candy cane today very quickly? The shape of the candy cane is very significant because it was made in the shape of a J. To remind everybody that Christmas is about Jesus. Hence the first letter of His Name. You see, Christmas is not about you. It's not your birthday. With all due respect to you, if it is your birthday, but it's not your birthday. This is a time where we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Saviour. Christmas is not about you. Essentially, it's not about presents. It's not about food. It's not about family. It's not about Christmas trees. It's not about decorations. It's not about lights. It's not about Lobethal. It's not about the brewery. It's about capital J, King Jesus. It's about the J, man. And so in the heart of the candy cane maker was the notion that every time we see this, we would be reminded of Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, She will give birth to a son, speaking of Mary. And you are to give Him the name Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. Wow, this was no ordinary child, this was no ordinary baby, His name is Jesus. Secondly, it is shaped like a shepherd's staff, which is a reminder that Jesus was not just born in a manger but that He was indeed our shepherd. When Jesus grew older, He told many parables And because they lived in a rural environment, He was great at the art of capture. He was great at capturing a moment and teaching into it. And because they were in a rural setting where there were shepherds and where there were sheep, He said, I am the shepherd. And shepherds in the Middle East are not like shepherds in Australia. Shepherds in Australia get in their ute and they drive from behind and they get into your pen and they have dogs yapping at their feet. That is not the shepherd that Jesus is referring to. No, Jesus is talking about the Middle East shepherd that just walks in front of the sheep taking all the hits Himself, testing the water to see if it's drinkable, testing the grass and testing the environments and making sure that wherever He takes the sheep, they would be safe. That's the shepherd He's talking about. Jesus is the one that goes before us and leads the way. And with His staff, He protects us. So back off. With His staff, He comforts us. He says, come here. And with His staff, He disciplines us. He's our great shepherd. Thirdly, the white stripes represent the purity of Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet He never sinned. See, the virgin birth is important. Jesus was born of a pure bloodline. He was perfect from birth and He was perfect every day of His life. Every day He walked the earth. He was tempted and tested like you, like me. But unlike you and I, He never faltered. He never gave in. He never gave up. He stood His line. He was perfect in every way. And so these white stripes represent the purity of Christ. He was spotless. He was the perfect Lamb that was slain on our behalf. Fourthly, The red stripes. Some of you might know where I'm going with this now. And some of you aren't even listening to me because you're thinking ahead, thinking, what's the next point? But the red stripes represent the blood of Christ. See, Christmas is not just about the birth of Jesus or else Christmas would have no meaning today. There is something more And that is, Christmas is about His life, His death, His burial and His resurrection. It's about His death for our sins. See, He shed His blood for you and for me for the forgiveness of our sins. Christmas is just about as much about what happened on the cross as what happened in the manger. Christmas is as much about what happened at Calvary as to what happened in Bethlehem. The red on the candy cane represents the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everybody be cleansed with blood. So that everyone be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The fact that Jesus shed His blood for us means that you and I can be forgiven from all of our wrongdoing. My next point is, and it doesn't depict on this particular candy cane, but the more expensive candy canes, the better candy canes are the one we've handed out this morning, have three thin red stripes in between the thick red stripes. And those three thin red stripes which are depicted on my title page, represents the stripes of Jesus. It represents the beating that Jesus endured before going on the cross. A beating that He never had to endure. A beating that He never had to go through nor suffer For the forgiveness of our sins, He just had to die. But Jesus endured punishment. Why? So that you and I could not only be saved, but that you and I could be healed. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says that it's by His stripes that we have been healed. And I thank God that we're in a church that gives testimony after testimony after testimony of the good things that God is doing in particular in the area of healing. And if you're in need of a healing this morning, we pray with you and we stand with you and believe with you that because of the stripes of Jesus, because of what He endured on our behalf, we're believing for an incredible breakthrough and miracle in Jesus' Name. Number six, He made the candy hard to remind us that Christ is indeed the rock of our salvation. Who of you have ever tried to chomp into a candy can only to hurt your teeth? That's because it's hard. It's because it's solid and it's to remind us that Christ is the solid rock on which we stand. There's a wonderful parable that Jesus Himself told as an adult man. And He said, Don't be like the foolish builder that builds on sand, but be like the wise builder that builds on the rock. And it was a metaphor of of us, us building our lives on Christ. When all around is sinking sand, on Christ's solid rock, I stand. Let's have a firm foundation. I love our home. We've been in our home for exactly two years, nice new home. But I gotta be honest, it's a little bit frustrating during the building process because the first three months, all I saw was dirt, concrete and a slab. Not very inspiring. But that slab need to cure over time to make sure that everything that went on that slab would stand the test of time. Number seven, the peppermint flavour of the candy represents purification. See, peppermint is similar to hyssop. And hyssop is used in the Old Testament times for purification and sacrifice. And Jesus Himself purifies our life through His sacrificial life. In Psalm fifty-one, verse seven, he says, "Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow." Next time you're licking on a candy cane, and even if you're not a peppermint kind of guy, as I'm not a peppermint kind of guy, just remember what it represents. It represents, represents purification through the incredible sacrifice of what Jesus Christ did. For us. Number eight, when the candy cane is broken, it reminds us of the broken body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, it says, And when he gave thanks, he broke the bread, and he said, Take, eat in remembrance of me. Next time you have a candy cane, you may want to look at it as communion. And when you break that candy cane, I want you to think of the broken body of Christ. On the night He was betrayed. And He was betrayed not by strangers, He was betrayed by those that were closest to Him. One of those disciples that was closest to Him, His name was Judas. And he decided in his heart, he was gonna betray the Son of Man. He was gonna betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus, knowing this, calls him friend. He says, friend, go do what you gotta do. And on the night that he was betrayed, as Judas ran off to dob him in, Jesus stood before the faithful and He took the bread and He broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. When you break the candy cane, remember the broken body, of Jesus. Number nine, when we lovingly share our candy canes, why don't you just grab your candy cane right now and just give it to somebody. Will you do that for me? Just give it away, give it away. You might get one back, but just give it away. Just give it away. Give it to somebody. love it. Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You are more excited about your giving than receiving when you're going, uh, maybe you're just glad to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't know. Just re-gifting right there. But when we lovingly, again, getting back to the origins, the candy cane maker had in mind that we'd be generous with what we'd been received. Freely we receive, freely give which reminds us of the generosity and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, who freely gave of Himself time and time again, ultimately gave His life. And so whether it's candy canes or gifts today, as you are giving away a gift, it's an act that Jesus first did for us. If there's any generosity in us, we're really just modelling the generosity that has been on display for the last 2,000 years. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Come on, work with me. Turn to the person next to you. and say, I love you. Let us love one another. Lots of love in the room. People always say, get a room. Well, this is a room. Love on one another. Just, just, we're in a room. Let's, let's see the love. That's inspired me for a whole preaching series right there. Get a room. Well, this is a room. Just write that down for someone. I'll, I'll, we'll do a series next year called Get a Room. Let us love one another for love comes from God. Every one of you, sorry, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, God doesn't love us because we're lovable. That's good news. We took early morning selfies by the tree, hair everywhere, Pyjamas, it's like, oh, thank you, God, that you don't love us because we're lovable. He loves us because He is love. God's not trying to love, He is love. It's not like He looks down and goes, oh, just try my best to love. No, no, He is love. God is just being God when He loves us because that's who He is. It's not what He does, it's who He is. And so in the giving and the receiving of presents today, let us remember... The purpose behind that. See, the purpose of our giving and receiving is not that we might get a better present than we give. I know for some it's become that, but that's not what God had in mind. It's not that we might get a more expensive present than the one we give and then, yes, bargain, cha-ching. <laughs> and can I just say, re-gifting is not giving at all. It's just throwing out your trash. You can dress it up wherever way you like. But the moment you give something you don't want, you're not giving anything, you're just having a spring clean. Come on, just being honest. God so loved the world that He gave His best. He gave what was near and dear to Him. That's what makes the gift so precious. When you give away something that you really want, look at Steve, look at Steve at the back there. Stand up, Steve. Steve, Uncle Steve, Steve Hedrick, there he is. Look at that blue shirt. Look at that blue shirt. That's, that's amazing. Steve stays with us every Christmas. He's our adopted son and he's the adopted uncle to our kids. Stays with us every Christmas, done it five years. There's no snow, but we try our best. And Jordan goes, Dad, I picked a shirt out for Uncle Steve to give away at Christmas. He's gotten two actually. He said, what do you think? Like, oh, I really like it. I really like it. And I started thinking, Steve hasn't seen it yet. I go to my wardrobe, what don't I like? What don't I like? I didn't, but I could have. It's a great shirt. I'd wear that. Maybe you and I can shirt swap. Is that my shirt? It's my Christmas gift. I like my shoes. This year I didn't get socks and jocks, hence why I got no socks. <laughs> Number 10. It's my last point. We're out of time. We're meant to be finished now. We've got a song to do. We've got another carol to do. Is this okay? Number 10. I don't know if you've ever had a can of candy cane and every so often one is handed to you and it's like a green stripe. You ever had one of those? Every now and then it's a green stripe. The optional green stripe is a reminder that Jesus is a gift from God. And any gift can be accepted or rejected. It's optional. You don't have to receive it. This gift from God is optional. You don't have to receive it, and many choose not to receive it. But it's a gift nonetheless with no strings attached. Probably one of the greatest gifts God ever gave us was the gift of free will. He doesn't make us robots. He doesn't make us choose Him. I mean, can you imagine creating something as intricate as human beings and then giving them a free will to say, I, I'm gonna let them choose me or reject me. And that's what God did. He gave the greatest gift of all and then left it to us to choose or reject Him. I wanna read a story in closing. Then we're gonna go into an item. And it's a story of a wealthy man and his son. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare artwork. They had everything in their collection from Picasso to Raphael and all the other Ninja Turtles. They would often sit together and admire the great work of art. When the Vietnam conflict broke out, the son went to war. He was very courageous and he died while uh, rescuing many other soldiers. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his son. About a month later before Christmas, there was a knock at the door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. He said, Sir, you don't know me, but I'm a soldier from whom your son gave his life. He saved many lives that day and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart and he died instantly. He often talked about you and his love for art. The young man held out the package. I know this isn't much, but I really... Want to bless you, even though I'm not a great artist. The father opened the package. It was a portrait of his son, painted by this young man. The father stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured his personality of his son in the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes that his own eyes welled up with tears. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. Oh no, sir, I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift. The father hung onto the portrait over his mantle. Every time visitors came to his home, he took them to see the portrait of his son before he showed them all the other great works that he had collected. The father himself died a few months later there was to be a great auction in the, of the paintings. Many influential people gathered, excited to see the great paintings and having the opportunity to perch one for their own collection. The auctioneer pounded his gavel. We will start the bidding with this picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? There was silence. Then a voice in the back of the room shouted, We have come to see the famous paintings. Skip this one. But the auctioneer persisted. Will someone bid for the painting? Who will start the bidding? $100? $200? For $300? Another voice shouted angrily, We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs, the Rembrandts, get on with the real bids. But the auctioneer continued, "The sun, the sun, who will take the sun?" Finally a voice came from the back, very angry. It was a long-time gardener. Uh, so finally a voice came from the very back of the room. It was the long-time gardener of the man of the sun. I'll give you $10 for the painting. Being a poor man, that's all he could afford. We have $10. Do we have $20? The auctioneer continued. Someone shouted, give him, the ten, uh, give him the painting for $10. Let us see the masters. $10 is the bid. Won't someone bid $20? The crowd was becoming angrier and angrier. They didn't want the picture of the sun they wanted the more worthy investments for their collection. The auctioneer pounded the gavel, going once, going twice, sold for $10. A man sitting on the second row shouted, Now let's get on with the collection. The auctioneer laid down his gavel. I'm sorry, the auction is over. What about the paintings? They shouted, I'm sorry. When I was called to conduct the auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. I was not allowed to reveal that stipulation until this time. The only, sorry, the, 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 only the painting of the son would be auctioned. Whoever bought that painting would indeed inherit the entire estate, including all of the paintings. The man who took the son gets everything. You see, 2,000 years ago, God gave the world the greatest gift of all time. And much like the auctioneer in this story, I hear the Father in heaven saying, my son, my son, who will take my son? When we want the presence, when we want the fame, when we want the gold, the glory and the gals, when we want all these other things, God, the Father from heaven says, who will take my son? This Christmas, I hope and pray that you would not overlook the greatest gift of all, that you would not overlook this incredible gift from God, His Son, He sent heaven's best. The choice is yours. I'm not here to twist your arm because God the Father is not here to twist your arm. We are here to simply present the truth and the true reason of the season that you can make a well-formed, well-educated decision. And if you're at that place in your life, on this particular day, 25th of December, 2014, we would love to give you a Bible, We would love to answer any questions you have about Jesus, about the church, God, Christianity that you may have. Because we would hate for you to miss the very reason of the season. I would hate for you to miss out and get a whole heap of things this Christmas, but miss the very purpose of what it's all about. Receiving this gift is real simple. Three things to receive in Christ. We say sorry. We say thank you. And we say please. It's no different from when our kids have done the wrong thing and they say sorry. They say thank you. And will you please forgive me? It's really simple. I love Christmas time when we keep it at the true meaning and everything flows from that. But when we just have our food, eat, drink and be merry, and we miss the purpose, it breaks my heart. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.